broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Welcome to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is uh, Los Angeles Eve for you, Casey. As you guys are getting ready to make that trek out there to the best coast. That's correct. Check out some. Are you guys going to Lakers game? Unconfirmed. So still, still waiting to see. Um, but as you guys make your way over, Casey making the trip. Are you, I think you're going to the football game, right? I'm hoping. Going to check out that SoFi Stadium. That's the goal. That thing looks sweet, man. I'm, I want a, a full reconnaissance of... of uh, of all the cool stuff at that stadium, I want you to hit up that snack bar, tell me what kind of food they got, all that great stuff, um, and I respect for you to report back on Monday to me, please. Absolutely. Fantastic. Full report. Fantastic. Full report. Uh, I think we'll be joined by Brett Martineau here in a second, or do we have him yet, Casey? We're working on it. We're working on it right now. He, he'll be here. He's at Extreme Wings today, or he's at Strings? The, the guy's always someplace, man. Strings. Strings, there we go. The guy's always on the road. Prefers to play the away games. You know how I operate, man. I'm about those home games, right? I, I like to have the home base. I got my snacks in front of me. I got my cozy chair in front of me. Brent's on the road, though, and will be joined momentarily. I mean, Casey, do you get the vibe that, you know, and I, I get we kind of addressed it yesterday a little bit. I mean, in terms of the games this season, and, uh, and if we're being fair, Brent still has to go through a table. So it's not like, you know, that Bills game that we were, you know, trying to predict um, came to fruition for us. I thought the Jaguars were going to get slaughtered, and they performed at home. Their defense played well, um, and they were able to get a victory. Do you give this team any chance whatsoever? And now remember, we can always come back to this audio, so be easy. But... What percentage do you give the Jacksonville Jaguars of maybe shocking the world and shocking the Los Angeles Rams? Um, percentage points, I would say seven. So, were you okay? And now let me ask you this: Before they played the Bills, would you be more confident with the Jaguars beating the Bills or beating the Rams? That's a good question. See, I mean, I, I would, if we're being honest here, I would say the Bills just because it was at home. I would too, yeah. The, the, the whole West Coast game. Yeah, so this is, you know, expectations aren't big right now for this team going to the West Coast. We saw what happened when we went to Seattle. Um, to me, though, we, we need to see progress, right? And, and that's the biggest thing right now. You know, you get this sense, listening to Trevor Lawrence in the press conference saying how he maybe found a little rhythm, right? This, um, this hurry-up offense is kind of is feeding to him um, a little more, and he has a little more confidence going forward. And if that's the truth, then so be it. I- I'm happy to hear that. At the same time, this was against an Atlanta Falcons defense that was nothing to write home about, and you guys only put up 14 points, right? So, um <sighs> You know, Trevor Lawrence threw one touchdown. The rest was based off field goals. So to say, you know, your your offense may have found something now, you may have found that groove, that may be the case. But until I see you score over 20 points, it's hard to believe. And now you're traveling to Los Angeles where this defense has been embarrassed the past couple of weeks, who has something to prove, 
who has a defensive line that can get after the quarterback. Um, you know, Von Miller still getting win for his first sack as Los Angeles Ram. And then you have a secondary, obviously spearheaded by Jalen Ramsey, but besides him, it, it, it is suitable, is is adequate. They just have, for whatever reason, have not been playing a great brand of football. And you wonder if this is the week that they figure it out. And this is the week that maybe Trevor Lawrence runs into a buzzsaw with this Los Angeles Rams defense. I don't like the way you're talking, man. I mean, this is two days in a row you're talking about the Rams kind of getting it right against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, maybe we just keep with the trend of them stinking. It's a possibility. I don't, I'm not buying into it, but, hey, That's if, you be, if you want to be sunshine and rainbows, by all means. Uh, yeah, I'm not so sure I'm sunshine and rainbows about the Jags. Uh, I, but I'm not so sure I am about the Rams right now either, although if you were going to give me one to break out of their slump, considering the Jags are going on a five-year slump, I'll take the Rams. Uh, that would be more likely, and they are super talented uh, as well. Is there a road to beat the Rams on Thursday, uh, on Sunday, <laughs> here on a Thursday? Uh, could the uh, could the Jags do it? Is it turnover heavy? Is it kind of like the Bills are going to have to shut them down and then just get three turnovers to one, something like that? I mean, is that the only way they win? I feel like it's a little bit different than the Lions. Like, the Lions had the lead. They played well, and they had onside kick and onside kick and go forward and fake punt, all these different things. I'm not sure the Jags have to do that. I mean, one play, one steal of a possession might be good. Go for it on a fourth down, like maybe in your own end or, or a fake punt or something like that. You might have to do that. But uh, I don't feel it's as desperate as the Detroit attacked it and still lost by, like, double digits. But is there a path for the Jags to kind of, in their own right, break out and win? Um, to me, it's just you have to win the turnover battle. Um, this isn't a team that you can go shot for shot with. You know, if you want to use a big dose of James Robinson and slow the game down a little bit and keep um, Matthew Stafford off the field, then that might be the way to go about it. But I can't foresee the Jaguars staying in this game if they can't create turnovers, if they can't take advantage of possibly some Matthew Stafford um, mistakes, um, which we've seen. You know, I mean, he's not 100%. I mean, very few quarterbacks right now in the league are 100%. So I'm not making an excuse for Matthew Stafford. But he hasn't necessarily been playing like himself. He has, you know, there's been a couple of times where he has let some balls go that probably should have been intercepted or they have for pick six. So turnovers, they happen in bunches. If the opportunity presents itself, these Jaguars need to capitalize on it because you cannot afford to, to not capitalize on these mistakes because you don't have the offense right now, I believe, to sustain and keep up in a track meet with the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, and, and obviously it's the offense of the Jags that seems so far behind everything else, and it puts a lot of pressure on the defense too. But, uh, you know, is there... Is there any hope for the Jags breaking out of the slump on offense? Are, are they showing signs of it with their third-down conversions? 115 total yards for James Robinson. You know me. I've, I've complained about it enough all week. He didn't get the ball enough. He wasn't in there enough. But still, he got 20 touches, 115 yards. He's still getting about five yards a pop every time he carries it, even though they say he's more hurt than it, than it looks at times. Uh, no more Dan Arnold. Uh, you got James O'Shaughnessy back. Your offensive line's kind of intact uh, outside of A.J. Can, And... Your receivers have done uh, nothing. I mean, does this come down to LaVisca Chenault really just having a breakout game? Because they've had some decent things. Again, you look at their offensive line, and you're not going to be like, wow, that's why they are awful on offense. Uh, you look at the quarterback, and he's not been great, but he also hasn't turned it over four times a game. So you're not like, wow, that's why they're losing, and they can't score on offense. Uh, their running game, at least this past week, I know it's been a little sketchy because of James's health, 
But this past week, it's five yards of pop, and they got it to him 20 times uh, out of the backfield and, and handing off. Uh, so that wasn't it. Uh, is it? I mean, it's just the. I'm trying to pinpoint, like, now third down conversions. They were last in the league. All right, week after week, we talk last in the league. That's why they're not scoring. Well, they're like 16 for their last 30 or something like that on, on third down conversions. So where's if all that's going right and you still can't score, <laughs> I mean, what else can you say, okay, this is going to be the key to turning it around and put more points on the scoreboard? Uh, the only thing I can fall back on is maybe a guy like LaVisca Chenault, who has zero touchdowns this year, having a breakout game where he does the right things, catches the football, and, and really um, you know, is a mismatch for them. Yeah, I mean, it would probably have to be LaVisca. I'm not sure what this Rams game plan is going to consist of in terms of is Jalen Ramsey going to shadow anybody? Is he going to play predominantly on the line, maybe in the slot a little bit because they have moved him around? Um, you know, I think if I'm the Rams defense, I, the main focus is James Robinson's out there is I'm stopping James Robinson. And, and I'm going to yeah. dare Trevor Lawrence to beat us, you know, whether that's press man coverage, whatever the case may be. Until Trevor Lawrence shows me something from the Rams perspective, uh, I'm stopping James Robinson until further notice. So, you know, what can the Jaguars do? I mean, yeah, I think a, a, a big helping of LaVisca Chenault um, would help things because Ramsey probably won't be on him. Um, I also think, you know, you can't shoot yourselves in the foot with false starts and holding penalty. I mean, that, that to me is the biggest thing right now. You know, and, and this, is, this is what needs to be addressed, and this needs, to, this needs to get better. Now, I understand that this seems to be the constant right now. I think the Jaguars lead the NFL in terms of offensive penalties. So that's kind of who you are. That's your identity at this moment. But you can't get away with that. So in terms of improvement, yes, you want to see Trevor Lawrence improve, obviously. Um, in terms of offense, yes, you want to see James Robinson run the football and get his touches. But you also want to see an offense that stops shooting themselves in the foot because they're not talented enough right now to overcome those mistakes. So that would be progress right there is sh shutting down the stupid penalties and making sure that you catch the football. Yeah, I, that's a that's a really good call, and maybe that's the. I think there's probably two answers to why are the. Well, I have a third. I, I think one of the main problems for the Jags in not getting points because we just gave you some evidence there, and that's like legit evidence. That's not like I think that this could be good. No, like it is five yards a carry. It's not three turnovers a game for Trevor. It is an offensive line that seriously ranks in the middle of the pack in the NFL uh, at worst. Uh, sacks are even better at, and and some of that might be Trevor helping him out. Uh, but if you look at some of those other stats, you just mentioned it. First in the league, I think, on offensive penalties. I mean, that's atrocious. That sets you back. We know how the NFL likes to stay on schedule. That means even when you have good plays, you're probably bringing them back. So that sets you up in bad situations and predicaments. And even if you look at uh, this last game, they had first and goal at the three after a three-yard run. I'm sorry, second and goal from the three after a three-yard run on first down from the six from James Robinson, and it got held, uh, a holding call brought it back. Well, you end up, that's it for the touchdown, and you have to go kick a field goal. So that's your point. I would also say they do still have a lack of explosive plays. Explosive plays are usually your wide receivers making plays, and they're not doing that down the field, whether that's a little Trevor not taking shots, whether that's no separation, uh, whether that's bad scheme. There's very few of those. And then I would say the last one here, why they're not getting in, is I do think Darryl Bevel has been pretty poor in critical situations. I just don't think he's been that good. And that does point to the offensive coordinator. I think he's done some good things, better than a lot of people would say. Uh, but that part has not been good since day one. We've talked about it at length. 
the fourth downs from Cincinnati to the flea flicker against Arizona to just not being great in the red zone. And so those are probably the three areas, and there are reasons they're not scoring. Penalties, explosive plays, and I think inopportune play calling when it gets down near a scoring opportunity. Yeah, and, and right now you, you have a you know you have a quarterback that just can't elevate the guys around him. Now, once again, the guys around him aren't catching the football, so that doesn't help at all. But you know, it's just you you don't have that situation right now. You, you really don't. And you know whether it's Trevor making better decisions, finding the open man. I mean, everyone's to blame here. So uh, I'm not just trying to single anybody out. This is a this is a collective problem and they have to collectively figure it out but yeah i think like those things that you echoed um those three things if you start there i mean to me you start the penalties if you clean up the penalties you at least give yourself a better shot of being more successful like that that doesn't cost any talent it doesn't cost any personnel like it's it's penalties right that comes down to holding people accountable and look yourself in the mirror and say i'm not making a penalty anymore so if you start there and then work your way out at least you can make some progress i think yeah, we. Uh, I just asked the question um, if there's a path for the Jags to beat the Rams. Uh, John Patrick says no. Joe says, how about no? <laughs> uh, Robert says, sure, you all missed that Bills game. Why not? Stranger things have happened, folks. Um, and then asking about the offense, Hutch says, run the ball 35 to 40 times, bang on that weak defensive line for four quarters, no matter what, run the rock. And that's interesting, the last line he says there, because no matter what, and that's problematic. See, I think teams would like to, and I'm going to ask you this in a moment, Austin. Do you think Daryl Bevel and this team would like to run the football more than they have? So think about that. But when you are behind the sticks in second and 15 because you had a false start uh, after an incompletion or first and 15 because it got started back there, it's difficult to run the football uh, because you're not going to most likely well, run it a couple of times and pick the first down up. So, uh, in fact, fans hate when you run the football in those situations. So I, I think that's part of it. When you add the fact that they are so penalized on offense, well, that is stopping some of the amount of runs that you potentially could have. Now, what's happened in the last couple of weeks is Trevor has used his legs a bunch more. I think it was 32 yards uh, a couple of weeks back. I think it was 40 yards or close to it the other day. So that's a nice little compliment. You know, that feels very Bortles-esque when we saw that, a little mid-shoe-like. It's not necessarily Lamar Jackson or even Josh Allen for the Bills and the Ravens, but you are now giving that a thought in picking up first downs. And I say that a bunch. On third and four, I really think, Trevor, if he would just drop back and look around, if he doesn't have options, just take off with it. I think they'd pick up those first downs with ease because he's got the ability to run the ball like that. So I, I, what I'm getting at is, can they really run it 35 times in a game? Will they commit to the run 35 times a game? Teams say they want to do that, but then they kind of outsmart themselves. The Patriots have done that a little bit. San Francisco has done that a little bit. Look at uh, who played Seattle the other day. Washington has done – they did that to Seattle the other day. Could this be a game where the Jags just say, hey, we're giving it to James, we're giving it to Carlos Hyde, and uh, we might even give it to LaVisca a little bit, and even five times uh, Trevor's going to run. You look up and they've got 35 to 40 rushes. Well, it all depends on what the scoreboard looks like. Well, that's true. Right, too. because now you have a – so right, right now the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's seven teams that run the ball less than the Jacksonville Jaguars do. So they're running the ball at 
uh, per game, 38.9% um, in terms of run, and then 61.1% in terms of pass. If you look at Bevel's MO, like that's not even close to what he wants to do. I think he wants to have a more balanced attack. But it simply comes down to how confident are you in your defense to get those stops, to allow you to run the football, or if you're down by 10 or more, I mean, then it, it, it's hard to justify running the football. You know, I mean, we saw the Tennessee Titans. I forgot what week it was when they played the Seahawks, I believe. I mean, they stuck with running the football because at the time they had the best running back in, in football and it you know it worked out I'm not sure if the Jaguars are there James Robinson is the best player on this team but I'm not sure if he can even overcome you know a, a 10 to 14 point deficit so when you have teams like the Patriots um, who obviously run the football a lot more I mean they're let's see here the Patriots would be yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're in the top half of the league in terms of running the football. When you have teams like that, it's because they can play some great defense as well, you know, and, and they can get by with that. I mean, they're almost at 50-50 a clip here. So if you have a great defense that can stop teams and give your offense the football back, then by all means. The Jaguars have showed a little bit of that, but it hasn't been consistent enough for my liking. So if you can keep a team within the realm of seven points, then by all means, run with James Robinson 30 times and let's see what happens. It's just we haven't had that type of game script because teams have been scoring points on the Jaguars. That's a really good point. You know, I mean, the flow of the game does matter here. And now you can't give up on the run, and that gets, uh, you know, a little sketchy. Like, I don't think they gave up on it really last week. They were down 14-0. They didn't give up on it. They still were patient, and then they got back in the game, and they still had a chance to go win the game. But the bottom line is you don't want to get down 21-3. to And you've been down 17 nothing and 17 nothing and 24 nothing four out of the last five weeks uh, to go along with the 21-3 to uh, and really 14 to nothing jump by Atlanta. So if you really look at the last couple of years, the Jaguars have run the ball well when they run the ball. But because they have not led very much, they really can't run it as much as they want to run it. Or like to your point, Austin, even if it's just a one-score game, now you can run it. Heck, if it's a 10-point game, for most of the game, you can still be patient and run it. But it hasn't been that close, and that's been a major problem. You know, many teams talk about the execution of, of the end of the game, the stretch, or, or the final two minutes of the first half. The Jags have not been good in those areas either. Two out of the last three games have had an opportunity to go tired or win it, and Trevor Lawrence and this offense haven't been able to get it done. But I really believe their execution at the the start of the game right now is is would be more of an emphasis than anything at the end of the half or end of the game because for exactly what we're talking about to be able to be who you are utilize your best player then you need to be in the game i mean they really have to emphasize those scripted plays and the start of this game you can't just ease in and feel the game out and then get better the jags have done that on both sides of the ball they've gotten better as the game has gone along problem is the game doesn't matter by the time they get better and so uh, the, the start of this game is of the utmost importance. Uh, if you go back to the Lions when they actually threatened the Rams, the start of the game wasn't good for the Rams. It was really good for the Lions. The Jags have to start, I know the cliche, start fast. I don't know how you do that, Austin. I know everybody emphasizes it, but you got to figure it out. And they've see, I think those are critical moments. It's third and five or third and three at the start of the game uh, or your first possession. That's as big to me as a third and three in the fourth quarter right now. And the Jags just are like, well, okay, we'll punt it away and we'll get better as the game goes along. No, you have got to find a way to move the chains, keep a sustained drive, and hopefully get on the scoreboard with at least a field goal in the first drive uh, of this game coming up against the Rams. The troubling part about starting fast is that that does come down to coaching. 
because when you talk about scripted plays, like these are the plays that you practice uh, on Friday, you walk through them on Saturday, and then you get them ready for the game on Sunday. So th- these are the plays that have kind of been on the docket the entire week of how you think you're going to beat a team. So when we talk about the Jaguars starting slow, well, it's a result of their scripted plays. Now, yeah, drops, penalties, turnovers, those all, you know, become a key contributor as well. But if we're starting slow, it's because, well, the the plays that are getting called or the preparation just isn't there. Now, if you find yourself, you know, halfway through the game or, you know, deep into the third or fourth quarter, well, then, yeah, that's more of the game flow. And that's more of just players being players and coaches responding on what they're seeing. But what you don't want to see is starting out slow, obviously, in the first quarter or starting out slow to come outside of halftime. Because, once again, those are scripted plays. Everything's in play right there. And it's just... You know, in terms of scripted plays, in terms of this team getting ready, we haven't seen a lot of that this year from the Jaguars' offense. No, we really haven't. Uh, We'll continue to go around uh, the rest of the NFL coming up uh, here in December, some big games. And how's this thing going to shake out across the NFL? Got a big one between the Patriots and the uh, Bills on Monday night. Uh, as well. So just getting started from String Sports Brewery here on a Thursday. Back at it. Jaguars All Access tonight. Uh, we have Kevin Hardy on the show tonight, former Jags player. So he'll be here in person. Come on out. String Sports Brewery, 7 o'clock on Fox 30. Of course, we're here until 6 on the radio side each and every Thursday at Strings Sports Brewery. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz back at it in just a bit here on a Thursday in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. characters on that side I mean just uh, um, great players really at, you know at all levels of the of their defense um, starts with their defensive line you know no, there's no really no one better in the league than Aaron Donald um, then they added Von Miller um, you know, Leonard Floyd coming off the edge as well I mean just um, he's the sack leader you know and uh, then you know Jalen Ramsey on the on the back end so they, they have really talented players um, they're well coached they do a nice job so it's going to be a huge challenge for us. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest issue is ends up being handled in the front. You know, you have to be able to protect the quarterback. That is Darrell Bevel, Jaguars offensive coordinator, talking about that Rams defense, which, again, I mean, is really good on paper and might shut out the Jags the way their offense is playing. But the Rams defense is not playing that great. Uh, so uh, it's certainly a little bit more bark than bite right now on that uh, – defense of the LA Rams but they can bite too (laughs) so be ready for that uh, for sure speaking of we got some uh, dogs in Alabama talk coming up in just a bit Brett Martineau here at String Sports Brewery Austin Lane back in the studio along with Casey Kurtz Thursday night football picks can't wait to get to that part of it we got a little committed to the uncommitted that we're going to uh, have uh, presented by Baker Sports at 5:30. Kevin Sullivan will join us, and I think uh, you're going to play some poker tonight or something, man. Yeah, man, going to play some poker. You know, Mark K's got a poker tournament. Um, getting back into the swing of things, going to help uh, sponsor K's kids. So I'm the returning champ. I got third place last year, so I obviously have to come back and defend my title. Wait, how is third place the returning champ? Explain to me like I'm a two-year-old. No problem, because it's a celebrity poker tournament, and out of the celebrities, um, I got third. Like, I mean, I, I, I got the highest, so like, you, I, I won the celebrity competition thing. How do you feel about being called a celebrity? Um, I really don't pay no mind to it. I don't consider myself a celebrity, so um, that, I mean, that's what the tournament's called, but no, I, I don't put myself in that realm. Yeah. It's always been uncomfortable, like when you play in those tournaments and stuff. Yeah. And they call you a celebrity. Like, I don't think I'm a celebrity. Like, I don't know what the definition of a celebrity is. Maybe yeah. we could look that up. 
But I like, mean, I just feel like if, if Tom it, Hanks is a celebrity. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll look it you up real I mean? quick. No, for sure. I just think if people recognize you like on the sidewalk, then you you, you have some sort of celebrity. You know, celebrity I mean, that can be a anybody as a noun, a famous person. Nice. That's what it says. What, if you what, is, it. what does famous mean then, huh? All right, let's keep going. <laughs> I'm kidding, dude. Famous. That's it's all the definition adjective. is. Yeah, that's all the definition is. Known about by many people. That's famous. Oh, so that's famous? Yep. Brent's a celebrity. He's got how many Twitter followers? Well, that's a good point. Maybe there I you should. go. So if you're known about by many people, that's a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So that's why these influencers really are celebrities. They're known about by many people. Oh, yeah. Pretty man. much, yeah. For sure. Right down to the definition. <laughs> the, poor, the poor folks of, uh, like, actors and, and athletes that thought they were just in this different world than, ever, than, than many of us. Yeah. Like, they did not think they were, you know, going to be put in the group with Brent well, Mortno and Austin Lane. Well, now, hold up. I mean, there's that the A-list. You already were. So. Well, there's the A-list. There's the B-list. You know, there's the D-list. So, I mean, th then you start going in, like, the hierarchy of things. That's where people start to weed themselves out a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I wonder what that definition is. <laughs> for for us? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Edward, what's that dude's name? Edward Hung, is it? The guy from American Idol that was, like, really famous? Yeah, yeah. He, he's in this poker tournament, too. So Who couldn't sing? Yeah. Yep, so I'm, I'm, I'm playing with him tonight. I yeah, like, he, he does have a level of celebrity. Like, when you said that he was playing, I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard that dude in, like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a decade? I have no idea what it's been up to, but it's cool that he's coming to this thing. So, yeah. I, yeah. Well, all right. K's kids uh, coming up. Best bet uh, tonight. Uh, go, good luck defending your celebrity status. Thank you. Kuz is going to be there, too, so we'll probably go head-to-head -head again and I'll have to put him in his place as usual, but not too worried now, about it. What status is Kuz on the celebrity list? I don't know, but they, they call him <laughs> DJ Kuzi, which I've never called him in his entire life, and I will not start <laughs> calling him. So we going to ever have, like, Kuz call in the show or something? I mean, what's yeah. he doing now? He's, just, I mean, he's he's doing his thing on, you know, the other station, the WAPE. I don't really see him that much. I'm not sure that's a good sign or a bad sign, but he's over there. Poor Coos. Like, I mean, Casey has made us forget about Coos. Yeah, for sure. And that's not necessarily, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I miss the guy, but Casey's bringing his own thing to the table, you know? Yeah. I'm not mad yeah. at that. Yeah, I kind of, like, I, I was telling you, yes, I haven't talked to Coos in a while. I should just shoot him a text, say hello. Yeah, let him know what's up. Yeah, um, maybe we'll do that uh, for sure. Hey, uh, the rest of the NFL, it's about to take shape now. Uh, we're going to talk about Thursday night's game. Uh, you got the uh, Cowboys and the Saints. But really, the big game of the weekend is going to happen Monday night, which we can talk about more on Monday. But uh, the Bills and the Patriots, that could really shape the, the AFC and the seeding there. Uh, meanwhile, it's wide open on the NFC front, too. And, and that seventh playoff spot is fascinating from Washington to uh, Minnesota to you name it. I mean, everybody's alive. Uh, in terms of that, except for the Lions. I think everybody is on the in-the-hunt graphic mm -hmm. in the NFC outside of the Lions. I think that's what I saw. That's amazing. That's 15 teams in the hunt. Well, it's completely depressing after the Lions as well. But, yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, insane that's true. how many people are. So, yeah, this is, um, 
You know, I mean, this is what the NFL wants, obviously. They, they, they want parity. They want it to come down to the wire. Now, all of a sudden, this 17th game is looking even more juicy and appetizing because it's going to mean that much more. So, yeah, this is exactly what the NFL wants. And, you know, if we're, if we're being fair, I think this is what we, the football fan, want as well. And I think from a fantasy football standpoint, in case, feel free to back me up here, it's what you want as well. Because now, if you don't have a teams that are established in terms of getting that number one overall seed, well, they still have to play their starters. And that means that's good for fantasy football towards those championship games. Fantastic, some would say. Yes. Yeah, I think more people care about that more. Uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. We, we know how much fantasy matters uh, to everybody. Who's going to come out then? Like, take the seventh spot in the NFC. Who would you put your money on right now? I think Washington's sitting in that spot. But who are you putting your money on? Oh, man. Um... I mean, I guess it all depends how it shakes out. Like, give me some teams here. I'll give, I'll give you every one of them okay. outside of the well, I mean, Bucks, so the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Minnesota. The, so you like Minnesota there? Yeah. Yeah, Minnesota to me is the best 5-6 and six team. They, well, but, but I don't trust them, man, because they can't win. Yeah. They're well, like the Chargers. You know when you fall in love with the Chargers for the last couple of years? Not even this year, but the last couple of years? You're like, man, they got a lot of talent. Man, I like them. They're going to be pretty good. Yeah, they got some injuries, but uh, they're still pretty good. I mean, look at the way Herbert's playing. And they can't win. They mm-hmm. just can't win games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Minnesota. I mean, and they just lost Dubbin Cook for maybe three or four weeks, if, yes. if not Dislocated more. Show but out. Alexander Madison's always been kind of that dependable backup, and they still have Jefferson um, and Thielen. You know, they play indoors when they're at home, so that's a kind of advantage from them, the way they play football in terms of, you know, passing the ball all the time. Uh, yeah, I like Minnesota, and I feel like that comes back to bite me in the you-know-what every single year, but I'll still roll with them. Um, other teams that I may like, I mean, you know, Atlanta, no. New Orleans, nah. Yeah, I think it's got to be Minnesota for me. I, I like Minnesota better than Washington, but, you know, you know how I feel about Philadelphia, too. You can't sleep say, on those Eagles. Like your- do you like your Eagles? Well, is Hurts okay? He says he's okay. Okay. Yeah, says okay. Uh, but that was like a bad loss to the Giants. You know, we looked at their schedule, like it's a pretty soft schedule. Yeah. And that was one that you're like, shoot, man, they could really take off. Yeah. Um, and now you wonder a little bit. Do they play the Dolphins this week, I think? And the Dolphins have been playing pretty good football. So yeah. now you lose a couple of games that you thought three weeks ago they might win. Mm-hmm. They play the uh, Jets this week, so that's even better. Oh, what a juicy Oh, the Eagles play matchup. the Jets. My bad. My bad. Um I've I got the Jets winning that game. I mean, the uh, Giants the, matchup was juicy, too, and that worked out so well. Yeah. Old buddy so, threw four interceptions. I'm just saying, I, if Jalen Hurts is healthy, I like it. If not, ooh. You know, you know what's crazy? Here, here's what's wild about this league, and this is how, like, the Jags, it just drives you absolutely bananas, is we know, like, we know for a fact Atlanta is not good. Like, we saw it. it like, that was, like, their ceiling the other day. Mm. 21 points and holding a team to 14. And they didn't do anything special. Like, they're okay. Patterson's okay. He's a good player. Without them, without him playing well, they can't do anything. And and to be honest with you, I think they should have really loaded up against him and had Pitts beat you at the end of the day instead of Patterson. But still, 21 points, that was it. And seven of them were point blank and handed on a platter after a leverage penalty. Mm-hmm. So and, and they really never were threatening that much after that. The Falcons are not good, and they have five wins. The Falcons haven't been good all year, and they have five wins. Like, it's wild to me that they have five wins. The Saints have really struggled since Winston went out, so they have a reason for that. The Eagles have, I think, actually outperformed what I think their team is. Uh, The Panthers have, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, he's going to just be counted on for three games a year. And they better stop building around him, and they've used three different quarterbacks, so they're a mess. 
The Giants actually could have more wins. They've lost so many close games, but they're not good. Chicago, I'm, I think they're lucky to have four wins. The Seahawks are terrible. They're only winning the last seven games against the Jags, and the Lions are beyond terrible. Mm. Like, there's really nobody to buy other than the Vikings. Yeah. And, and Washington finds way because you want to see a well-coached team, and, and I know you liked this guy years ago, um, but they are, they are a well-coached team, and, and they find ways to win. And Heineke does enough, and they've got good players like McLaurin and Gibson that can get the job done, and their defense is starting to come around a little bit. Because remember, their defense was awful at the beginning of the year, but they have a defense that can carry it yeah. if, if it plays well, and, and Jack gets them going. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really – it's crazy that there's all those teams that are really still in the mix record-wise, but I'm not sure I'd buy any of them outside of Washington and the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, talking about Ron Rivera, it's been a testament just what he's been able to do there. I mean, you lose your starting quarterback, number one. You know, the the identity of your team and your defense has not been playing good number two, and you're still finding ways, you know, to go five and six, to, to almost be 500, to still stay in playoff contention, kind of defying all odds, if you will. Um, that's just a, a testament to the toughness and just the grit that Ron Rivera has. And, and that, the reason why I wanted him here in Jacksonville, because if you remember back of what you had to replace, you had to tear it down and start up again. And I think from a culture standpoint, nobody does it better in terms of going to a new scenario than I think Ron Rivera. He's had experience doing it before. I think he would have did it again in Jacksonville. It is what it is. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We have what we have now. But, yeah, I think Washington's definitely a team to keep their eye on just because, I mean, there's not, I mean, Taylor Heineke, yeah, okay. I mean, they got a good wide receiving core, I would say. I mean, Terry McLaurin, or McLaurin is a beast. Um, Gibson's finally starting to come along a little bit as well in the running game. But they just they just get the job done. They, they just find ways to win, and sometimes those are the most deadliest teams. So out there watching that category, I guess for me it's just more Minnesota uh, because they have more of the household names maybe. I mean, maybe that's what it is. They have way more talent, even yeah. without Dalvin Cook. I mean, they are a talented group. But mm-hmm. I just Zimmer, like, Zimmer's the opposite to me of, of Rivera. Rivera finds works to win some games, and they're yeah. not great. And by the way, one of the reasons I wasn't in love with Rivera is because this is who he is in his career. Mm-hmm. He'll win seven, eight games every time. Yeah. And he'll have the, he had the one year, and I think maybe even two in Carolina, that he really took a jump. But he'd been very, like, just hovering around that 500 mark. But when he has good teams, he does that. When he has bad teams, he does that. So he finds ways to get Ws, uh, which is, by the way, the way the NFL is built. Now can you take that next step? Meanwhile, Zimmer, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anybody getting less out of a more talented team in the mm-hmm. NFL than that. Yeah. I mean, they play a tough schedule. They've had some tough battles, but I I don't know what it is. Again, it's very Anthony Lynn-like in, in L.A., and that's why they made a move because they just wouldn't win those games, and it's, like, inexplicable why they won't have more wins given the talent uh, on their roster and the play out of the quarterback. True. No, very <laughs> I mean, the true. guy plays good football. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, but you know what? We'd all sign up for 5-6 and six right now here in Jacksonville Ooh. and being in the hunt. String Sports Brewery will be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I think that there is, unless there is a significant change of thought on one side or the other, I don't think there's any chance spring training starts on time. Um, 
these two sides have demonstrated that, uh, you know, the two leadership groups have demonstrated they don't cooperate, they don't collaborate, uh, the conversations aren't going anywhere. Um, it really does feel like, as Jeff Passon said, like the two sides are speaking completely different languages. The idea that they're going to come up with a nuanced labor agreement, I'm just not confident. And I do think there is a chance that the season is going to be delayed. That's Buster Olney from ESPN. And there's a lockout now in Major League Baseball. I love baseball. I don't care. Is that kind of weird? Fred Martin of String Sports Brewery. Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, back in the Action Sports Shack Studios. I mean, baseball season's like three months away. Well, that's the thing. I'm not going to care until I have to start caring when the season starts. And if they're still locked out then... Then I'll start being a little concerned and everything. But, yeah, right now, I mean, in terms of the breaking news, um, it's not even close to being on the radar. Yeah, I just, I'm surprised. I mean, listen, I understand. It's, it's like the ninth time it's ever happened. But this is different than a strike, first of all. Uh, we're obviously like 1994 season, and, and that happened. Um, and I, I just think the lockout feel right now is everybody knew we were headed to this, so it's not a stunner. It's not like at the last minute something happened in their negotiations. I mean, they, people saw this coming for like two years. There's been like no negotiations. They've been not on the same page at all because we know how this works now as sports fans. We've seen it in the NFL. Austin, you lived through it. The NFL, when we say lockout, yeah, you might miss a preseason game. You might miss some training camp stuff. You're probably not missing games. That's where the money's at. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, Buster only might say, yeah, we might miss a little of the season. That's well, a 162-game season. So maybe they do. And really, on the heels of COVID, when we had like a 60-game season and everything got delayed, like, I think we're kind of numb to this. They're like, all right, well, if it happens for a couple of weeks. Now, you take away the whole baseball season from me, then I'll be complaining. I mean, if we're here in April still talking about it, I'm probably complaining. I'm more interested. I just think we knew this was happening. It happens in sports now. It's not surprising. And we're three months away from, I mean, we, it's, I love spring training. But to be honest with you, the most of the baseball fan, they don't care about any of this until the end of March, and we're about to really throw out the first pitch on opening day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like I said, this is this is the bottom of the barrel right now in terms of things that are on my radar. Um, you know, we, we see this all the time. You know, I, I mean, I'm not sure what the history of lockouts have looked like for baseball. I mean, I'm not sure has it been like the NFL where, you know, you, you've cut it close a couple times. Well, probably, you know, I think that the last NFL lockout, we talked about that back in the day. And that was a little disappointing to me in terms of um, how fast I felt like the, the players caved. I really have no idea even like what the grievances are about in Major League Baseball, what this argument's about. Obviously, it's about more money because it's always about the money. But yeah. Casey, I mean, is there, like, is there other things like in line here? That they want to see fixed? Yeah, they want to change the playoff format. And okay. There's a couple other game-related things, and obviously Manfred wants to implement some of the pitch clock and all that. So um, yeah. there are some rule changes in play as well that some of the players are not in favor of. Gotcha. Well, um, so are you concerned about it as a baseball guy, Casey? Um, a little. I mean, at the at the present moment, no. But I, I think it's very possible that stuff is delayed because um, the players are. I, I would not be surprised if it if spring training's delayed in general and the season shortened. Yeah, so worried? Um, no, not really because they'll play at some point. Just it might not be in April. 
I got you. And the new playoff um, thing is fascinating. It gets more teams in, and then you pick who you want to play and all this interesting stuff. And at first, when I first said it, heard it, I hated it. But now I kind of like it because you got more teams that can get in, so there's less tanking. There's uh, More teams can make it, so you might change the way you manage or build your team, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, if you have more more opportunity to get in, more people will fight to get in and get in the dance, right? And that's probably the motivation behind it. A little bit of that was what Scott Boras said uh, about, you know, the teams that have tanked and it's paid off and teams are clearly tanking. Um, and they weren't fans of that. So there's always that debate about the integrity of doing it. But, you know, listen, all this money just got signed in baseball. Good for the guys that got the money, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, for sure. It's, it's Gary. And that's why it happened. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I feel like, uh, first of all, lockouts, labor issues, everything else in that regard in any sport is a lot of minutia. You're right. It's, it's a lot of I don't understand this. And people really don't want to talk about it anyway. Just tell me if they're playing or not. And so, obviously, you've got your, your inside guys that are reporting the passings and onlys and all that and keeping people, if you're really wondering about it, but I just really, it, it was just interesting. I heard it a bunch of different shows over the last couple of days around the country. And I'm like, I really just don't think anybody cares. Like, I really don't think anybody cares. And that's not to say nobody cares about baseball. You're talking about one of the big baseball guys there is. I mean, I love it. And so I do care about baseball. I just don't care right now. Like, I really don't care right now. You, you, you Get me a spring training, I'll care a little bit more. Give me a light at the end of the tunnel. I probably won't care at all if, uh, about them fighting over money. And... Um, I think at the end of the day, we know how this probably works out. There will be a season, and once the paychecks are there to be earned, people will start earning them again. And uh, someone will be a little happier than the other side, but they'll come to some kind of agreement, um, or they'll really hurt baseball in a big-time way like they did back in 1994. What's interesting is I think you saw a lot of players get signed, and that's all good, but they're also, I think it's interesting for the guys that didn't sign because now they can't. Obviously, Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, the notables. Uh, I guess Kyle Schwarber as well is noticeable. But what happens now with them? Like, if when everything changes, do they get more money? Do they get less money? Like, it just – I think the guys that waited, it's going to be so fascinating to see what ends up happening to them versus taking the route of Stroman, who signed at the buzzer last night. Good for him, but it's just – it's interesting to see how that played out because Chris Bryant – and same thing with Freddie Freeman. They both could have signed – but now they waited and see what happens, and that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, not only them, but uh, what's Correa too, right? Yeah. And so he's another one. And the bottom line is they're still going to make a lot of money. Uh, they might benefit by getting a little bit more of a bump. Uh, they might hurt themselves, but they're still going to get a ton of money. I mean, it's really hard to fathom that the money's going to go up too much more, but it's already hard to fathom how high the money is. I mean, what's a, Scherzer just got $43 million a year. That's correct. <laughs> At 37 years old. I mean, oh, what are we complaining about? But there are a lot of things from minor league baseball to rules changes like you mentioned and to the base salaries, and, and they're not complaining about those kind of guys anyway as much as uh, really the whole of baseball. So, it, listen, the moral of this story, in my opinion – and I'll eat some crow on this if that's the case. They're going to work it out. We know that happens. They'll figure it out. Don't worry about the baseball season. And it's a long season, so maybe we get 154 games or something. Or maybe we get like 144 games, and maybe that's the way it should be. <laughs> a shorter season. 
<laughs> Maybe that will be, uh, as, as long as it's more than 60. The 60 was too short, uh, in my opinion. All right, uh, more to come. Spring Sports Brewery. What about Alabama and Georgia coming up on uh, Saturday on CBS 47, 4 o'clock SEC championship game? Alabama's a dog. Do you really feel that way against the dogs? Hmm. See what they did there? We'll be back on ESPN 690. That was accidental, by the way.